The following podcast is a Dear Media production. Welcome to You're Gonna Love Me, the podcast where we open the eyes, the ears, and the hearts of anyone who has judged or been judged. Well, hopefully. I'm your host, Katie Maloney. Hello, everyone. Um, welcome to an all new episode of You're Gonna Love Me. I hope you had a great week. It's like Groundhog's Day every single day. I I only know it's Friday because that's what day the podcast comes out. That's where I'm at in life. Anyway, I have an all new episode today with a guest who is one of my favorite housewives and one of my favorite people of all time. And it's not just because I'm from Utah, but today I have Heather Gay here from the Royal Housewives of Salt Lake City. Hi, I'm so happy <laughs> to be here. Thank you for coming. I'm so happy to see your face, even though it's on a computer screen. I'm so happy that I'm seeing like Utah home state represented on like television and like a reality TV in, an, in, a, in a way that is like kind of really showing all of its, its facets. I mean, not every, obviously not every single one, but you know, like people had their own idea of like what Utah is. They think it's a dry state. They think it's just a bunch of polygamists running around and who don't curse and wear magical underwear. And, and then there's snow. It's definitely like, you know, very white. There's not a lot of like diversity or culture there, but you know, and I think also something that people are fascinated by is the fashion next to Beverly Hills. Like you guys have the best fashion, which is kind of crazy. Cause it's like, I know Utah has stores, but people wouldn't expect that. Where do you shop? Like I will be tarred and feathered if I speak for the cast because I got voted worst dressed at the reunion. I get voted worst dressed when anyone ever asks anyone that hates me on the cast. So you have a two out of six chance that I'm going to get voted worst Dress. Same. People say the same shit about me. And I'm like, you, I'm just like, my fashion's so elevated. You don't understand it. <laughs> I mean, I'm doing the best I can, folks. Like, I can't try anything on that's cool because we don't carry any high end brands. I mean, we had like Nordstrom had like a tiny designer boutique for a minute and now they've done away with all of it. So I have to like literally order online, get it, try it on, feel devastated that it doesn't fit pack it back up and send it back. Like that's, that is my fashion experience. And then when something hits like from forever 21 or Zara or, you know, Dillard's clearance rack, I'm like, I have a fashion moment then because I, it's like the experience works. I mean, the choices are limited, but like, it's really hard to shop online all the time, especially if you don't have like a mannequin body. Yeah. I, I was talking about that in the, the, my last episode with this girl named Remy Bader and she's hilarious and she's on TikTok and she does these realistic uh, hauls and she's a curvy girl. She's like, you know, mid to plus size. There's so many people that can relate to that story of like, you get stuff on and the sizing is never consistent anywhere. And that you just, it's, it's devastation, disappointment. You feel like shit. And then you just put on sweats and you're <laughs> on, on the TV. You know I mean? It's like the sweatpants are all that fits me thing. It's like the truest statement. <laughs> I feel like, honestly, I do as pretty good for considering the obstacles in front of me. You know, like I think I'm you have a amazing style. I would like trade wardrobes with you in a second. That is so kind of you to say, like, 
I should probably just gift you everything because I don't think you have the same constraints as a housewife to wear something new every day. I feel that pressure. Trust me. I felt that pressure too because it's just, you know, eventually after you're filming, you just kind of like, get tired. And that's, that's when, when we were talking before we started recording, like watching, watching yourself on TV is it's a lot. I mean, and eventually I will say you do get used to it, but it's like, there are some moments where I'm like, God, why, why did I wear that? Why did I sit like that? I want to ask you because it's just so fascinating to me. I am hypercritical, but I've also had to give up like all ego. So you know what I mean? It's like two separate things. Like you have to give it up and just be like, that is what I look like. And that is painful. And, but at the same time, you're like, what can I do better? So, but it's like, in a way it's been freeing for me. Cause I just can like give it up, you know, like not be pictures chat filtered and like held by a crane, you know, high and tight. Like you can't get high and tight enough. And it's been freeing in a way to just be like, fuck it, you know, like, I don't know what I'm going to cry, how I'm going to sit, what I'm going to reveal about my family. Like it's out there, it's done. And so I've distanced from it, but then I still feel hypercritical. That's it's a human response for sure. And do you feel like it's, is it just coming from you or do you have like haters? Do you have people that are attacking? I mean, I can't imagine because everyone loves you. You're like everyone's favorite. Yeah. I have haters for sure. I thought I was going to get a lot more shade for my size and like, just my like age and I don't think I'm a conventional housewife. You know what I mean? Like these women, like they are very, very beautiful and very, very fashion plated, you know? And so, so are I, you. <laughs> I thought I'd get a lot more hate. I think that society has evolved. And I like, when my daughters are like posing for pics, they'll be like, do I look thick? It's like my, like, they'll be like flexing. And I'm like, you're supposed to be like eating like cottage cheese and saltines, you know, <laughs> like, you know what I'm saying? Like the whole society's like shifted where girls like want to like look thick and like, I love it. I think it's amazing, but it's just a total shift from like kind of how I grew up where like it was thin to win always. And that was kind of ingrained in me, you know, so I'm working through it still. You come across, you know, very confident, self-assured, but also at the same time, like you aren't afraid of being vulnerable and you have like, you know, you can tell like you're very sensitive, but like you also you carry yourself. So, and I don't know if like, cause I'm hearing you talk and it's like, but I feel like I see a very confident, very like independent woman. I think I'm totally confident and independent, but I think I'm not confident in the ways that people anticipate women should be confident. I see myself, like I know where I'm at on the pages of the magazine. You know what I mean? Like I know what conventional beauty is. I know what women are heralded for and where their like currency is, but like that doesn't affect my ability to feel confident about who I am in the world. But like, I'm still can be critical or like make self like say flapper with cankles because I am, I'm a flapper with cankles. I'm, st- I'm still here. You know what I mean? Like, <laughs> I just don't lead with it. So I can be confident, but in different arenas that I don't think people would anticipate maybe. Does that make sense? Yeah. I mean, where do you, where do you think you are most confident? Just like, in understanding things. Like, I think I'm smart-ish and I think I'm genuinely interested in people. And I feel like when I walk in a room, I don't assume that anyone in there is smarter or better or more evolved than me. You know, I think we're all in it. Maybe I'm confident in my ability to just read the room, you know? I can totally, yeah, absolutely. Cause it's like, you, you have such like sage sound 
good advice. It seems that like you kind of help guide people and, you know, but also you said something in the last episode when you're like, if I come as like how I feel, then you're scared that people will leave you. That sort of like struck a chord with me. Cause I was like, yeah, I feel like people want me to constantly tone it down because I'm a bitch or a mean or my delivery, but I don't know how to like get my point across or be honest any other way. Is that kind of how you feel a little bit? Yeah. Like I'm always on 10. I'm always on loud. I'm always too much for this bougie ass crowd, you know, like, <laughs> yeah, like I always feel like I'm holding back because I think just by trial and error growing up, you just learn what people like and embrace and what people like shun. And nobody likes like an uppity chubby girl and nobody, you know, nobody likes loud, sarcastic women. I mean, everybody does. I don't mean nobody, but you know what I mean? Like you start to see like, wait a second, she's the belle of the ball, you know? I mean, that's true, but I feel like that's very antiquated. Does that, do you feel like that's like something from like your family growing up or the church that sort of. For sure. The church informed a lot of that. And I think like not just Mormons, but just, you know, Christianity in general, it's just kind of the Adam and Eve concept. You know what I mean? Like big provider, leading husband and like dutiful second in command wife, you know, where it's just like, you want to be, I, I don't know. It is antiquated, but I think. I hate that, it. I, well, yeah. I mean, obviously. <laughs> like when they say like women's places in the kitchen or like raising the kids and you know, like that's our only purpose in life. And I really hate that. Well, that's like why I'm so fucked up, Katie, Obvi. That's why I'm probably even talking to you right now is because that was like, I felt that. It wasn't that I was just told that and I didn't agree with it. Like I agreed with it. I embraced it and I was trying my best to live it. And so to have the kind of the curtains like drawn and like have a different option, you just feel like elated and happy, but you also feel like deep regret because like, it's not cute to like go through this puberty process you know, in your forties, it's cute when you're 18 and figuring it out, you know, like, yeah. When I watch sometimes I'm like, damn, like when you were talking about just, you know, for the first time being, you know, really just financially independent and like Lala's like, this is crazy that like, this is her first time experiencing this at, you know, at this point in her life. And it, and it's not an age thing and I don't want to bring that up, but it's just something like that people do mostly experience like when they're in their early twenties and finding their way, but like, you can just see like your eyes just like <laughs> light yeah. up when you're experiencing something new. And I'm just like, this is great. Like, cause when you got married, you were a virgin. Yeah. It was just that for years and years and years. So now it's like, and it's the mentality of it's that forever. So you don't even like think about it outside of that. You know, when you're in a relationship and it's just like all, that's all it is. Like that's all it is for eternity. So you don't like allow yourself to, think outside the blinders. You're like literally like a horse. You put the blinders on and like the bridle and you're just like, just keep swimming. Just keep swimming. It's just wild to me. So, okay. I was under the impression that you had left the church. Yeah. You don't consider yourself Mormon. That's kind of like the nuanced thing. Like, you know how, like, if you're born Jewish, you're always Jewish. Like whether you'd ever even have a bar or bat mitzvah or get you know, celebrate any of the big Jewish holidays, you are still born Jewish. And while I don't, you know, equate Mormonism to Judaism, <laughs> I still feel like I was born Mormon. My entire family is Mormon. When I say entire family, entire, you know, family, both sides, both generations, like 
There's no deviation. And Mormonism isn't what you do. Like you're defined by being Mormon because you do these certain things, you, what you don't do. You don't smoke, you don't drink, you don't have sex. You wear special underwear. You go to church every Sunday. You pay 10% of your income. That's what a Mormon does. And so when I don't do those things anymore, am I no longer Mormon? And that's what I'm kind of like, that is the question, you know, like, yeah. I mean, I, I understand that when it's like, when it's like you're born is something that is such an identifier in every aspect of life. Like I can, I can only imagine that. So like now you're like, okay, I guess I am not anymore. So do you find yourself wanting to fit into another box or are you just like, I'm just going to just do my thing. But like, what box do I fit into? Like you grew up in Utah and like, were you high subconsciously or like subtly aware of who was Mormon and who was not? Yes. And no, cause there was definitely like the really good Mormons, you know, there was definitely those kids that like, they all went to seminary in, in Utah. For those of you who don't know in high school, they will have like, if you're Mormon, you actually leave the building, go to a separate building and you have as one of your class electives you can go to seminary and it's like a Sunday school Sunday yeah it's yeah, yeah basically inside your faith and read scriptures and pray right exactly but also like a lot of like the Mormon influence or my Mormon friends were the like they were bad they were Jack Mormons or Mormon 2.0 I think y'all call it so but they were the ones that like I drank alcohol with for the first time or like they were you know I made out with some, yeah, <laughs> you know, yeah. and then, but then they graduated high school, went on their missions, came back, married someone right away and popped out like six kids, you know? So it's like, I don't know. They were just getting set their system. But when I moved to Salt Lake, I got introduced to like real hardcore Mormonism. What did you think of it? I was always very interested in so many religions and kind of just their practices and, and their ideologies. And the goals were always the same. The ideas were the same. Like there was, you know, they believed in a higher being power. It was all basically about having faith in something bigger than themselves, but they were always like really nice. I had a boyfriend who's like, he was not like an active Mormon, so he couldn't go in temple or anything like that, but he lived at home still and his parents would have like home teachers. So I did experience that. It was traumatic, not for the reason, but I choked on a salmon bone. And thought I was going to die, but that's why I'll never forget that day. <laughs> Were they having the home teachers over to like introduce you to the gospel or like to convert you? Or that's weird to have like a non-member girlfriend and then have the home teachers over for dinner. Like that's a tactic. P.S. That's a that's a come over for drinks and we'll introduce you to our MLM plan. You know, like. I was fine with it because they were they were so nice and like treated me you know so well. But I was, I was very clear. I was like, they're never doing this. I'm so they were, they were kind of pitching you. It was like trying to kind of like, Chris was like, it'd make my parents really happy if we went to this. And he'd be like, okay. Find him, see where he's at in life. Yeah, I bring up, I'm like, oh yeah, this one time I went to the Buddhist church with my friend who's, you know, practicing Buddhist. And they were like, oh, uh, no, no, no. And I was just like, Not for our son. <laughs> I thought we were talking about faith right now. <laughs> You're way off, way off. I mean, it sounds like you were like a really good Mormon growing up and obeyed all the rules. I wasn't like, I really? was, no, I mean, I was kind of like, I grew up in Colorado and I was very devoutly Mormon, but I was young, you know, I didn't have any, any exposure at all. And then we moved to Utah when I was 15. And that's when I was like, I can get this all out of my system, still go home and like have family prayer and have no one know and not like shame my family. And so, yeah, like I partied in high school and like, just, but it, was, it just felt kind of like stunted, like, because 
the things that kids were doing in Colorado, when I came to Utah, it felt like I was going back in time. Like I, like I was starting ninth grade here, but it felt like seventh grade, like, uh, morality, you know, yeah. smuggle a beer and seven people have a sip. You know what I mean? <laughs> you know what I mean? Like we were, we were amateurs for sure. I really wanted to be Mormon. I wanted to go to BYU ish. You know, I wanted to get married in the temple. I wanted to just, you know, do everything that my parents expected of me. So I pulled it together and then I attended BYU and I was good at BYU. You know, I didn't even know that there was an underground culture at BYU. Like I had friends getting turned in for tank tops. My business partner got turned into the honor code for wearing like a shell shirt that didn't fully cover her shoulders when she was nine months pregnant and married. Some professor turned her in for showing her arm, you know, like people have given me a lot of shit about BYU saying like, Oh, you can flash people at BYU. Like, well, I didn't even know I could wear a tank top, you know, like I didn't even know I could have a five o'clock shadow. Like you went to a different BYU that I went to because we were policing each other constantly. There's like a different underground culture where they were like bad at BYU and they just, and they were like, they didn't tell anyone else. They're all like, if you, yeah, they were like first, all the cool kids, really. I mean, it was like I don't the fight like, club. Kind of like fight club. <laughs> Did you judge people like when you were in high school and around you that weren't Mormon? Were you like, oh, no, I think we had a fascination and an attraction to them for sure. Like loving them and, and, and being drawn to them and no judgment at all. Just fear, fear that like, that was what I wanted. And that wasn't what my life, you know, it's like, if your dad tells you from every day, you're supposed to be a doctor and you're scared of the sight of blood. You don't like tell your parents that you just kind of live in fear. Like, please, I've never oh, wild. I didn't want them to know that like, I didn't feel the stirrings. I didn't want them to know I was being tempted, I guess. Totally. Yeah, of course. You don't even want them to know that you have those thoughts or you're aware about that. What's wild to me is, and I know you've talked about this on the show and you've talked about it to me, is that your family like can't let things go with like your ex. Like, how do you deal with that? Do you just want to throw your hands up and say, fuck y'all then? <laughs> I, mean, I mean, in a way I did, you know, but it, it, I just retreated, but it was pretty dark and lonely. And it's like, you don't want to resent your family, especially when they're reaching out in love, but you know that there's like an edge to it. You know, it was interesting when Whitney talked about, was it in just this last episode, she talked about how it took like six or seven years before she even had a wedding picture up at her in-laws house, you know? Yeah. And I think people don't understand like that is out of like one Mormons are uncomfortable with how to like, you know, put the puzzle back together when it fractures, when it's not just a nuclear family that has a perfect life and then goes off to heaven. So I to like navigate around that, but our doctrine is eternal. So like, I am still in the eyes of my religion and my family married to Billy because we have a temple marriage and that is sealed in heaven. And I do not have a temple divorce and I will not be granted a temple divorce unless another man marries me in the temple. I have a Mormon choice or a Mormon choice or just Billy. Does that make sense? Like I don't yeah. I just float off into space. But like, that's not true. <laughs> I mean, <laughs> if you're divorced, then- for you, Katie. the Mormons are going to come for you now. Good. Go for Katie. Yeah. Come for me. I don't care. And I don't want to like offend anyone listening to this, but like when you hear this and then you hear stories about other groups, you're like, wow, this also sounds like a cult. It's like that mentality where it's just like, 
you put every bit of faith and everything into someone else and like you, you don't have any control of your life and you're constantly looking to them for answers and they tell you everything about your life and how you should feel like it's just like maybe it's just not for me clearly it's not but like I just like have a hard time reckoning with that what do you make of that do you feel like you're like no I'm divorced and that's how I see it and that's all that matters <laughs> messed up man like I'm listening to you and I'm watching and I'm like I just feel like pure jealousy not like menacing jealousy like I feel like um longing, I guess it's not jealousy. It's like a longing, like, because you are exactly who you are. And like, there's several things that like put you in this position because it's privileged for as a woman in the world, you know, like 35, you've had your own money for seven years minimum, you know, like, cause you've done the show seven, eight years, you know, you didn't have to like escape a cult or faith. You know, you didn't have to leave your family or leave anything. And you found the love of your life. You're married on your terms and you have a, like a seat at the table and in the world and it's clear and clean. And it's like, you're a vessel, you know, you are who you are. And that is awesome because now you have like 70 more years to continue to be that. I am that because no one told me I wasn't because the truth is, I am, regardless of what someone says, it doesn't matter what people say in heaven and God in this place, you know, like I am because I am it. And I think I can see that you feel a sense of like guilt, wanting to just like be free from all of that. And like, it, I mean, but this has been like everything you've known and have trusted your entire life into like, and not to say that it's all been a lie. I, that's really not what I'm trying to say. I'm just saying like, working for me. Like we could say, yes, that. if it's, if it's not working for your life and it, then there should be fine. There's other places you can go. There's other religions, other churches, other organizations, even if you don't want to do that and you just want to say, fuck it and, and just believe in numerology. But I'm kind of like jealous of you in a way because you're going to get experience so many like things for the first time and just do things for the first time that like I've done. And now I'm, you know, eternal <laughs> so, <laughs> until, you know, until I get bored of it. I'm just kidding. But you know, like you get to just be free. That has really got to be liberating. Like you can have like all the promiscuous sex you want. You can, you know, drink all the alcohol you want, do some drugs if you feel like it. Like th there's like so much out there. I'm a terrible influence, by the way. Just like, just never listen to me. But. I love, that's why I'm drawn to people like you. Cause I'm just like, tell me it's okay. You know, because that's what I think held me back. Like, listen, I could have gotten divorced easily and just done this, you know, straight out the gate and been like, not this traumatic, like, you know, blubbering victim, but I had three kids. Right. And I only huge. knew how to mother them in this pattern of behavior. And that was why like, I want my kids to be like you, like to be when they're 30, to just be like, I have danced naked in the fountains in Florence. I have, you know, made love in a hammock. I have traveled the world. I've met people of all, you know, everything. And I have decided what I believe, what I want and how I want to live my life. Like that, those are the type of women I want them to become. I love that. I was good. Yeah. I was wondering how you felt about your, your kids and their future and everything. But, you know, and I think watching the show, they're so like supportive of you. And like, I think you worry about them and an example and like how they're going to feel about choices that you're making, but they're like, when they sit there and they're just like, we just love you and want you to be happy. It's just like, I cried. I cried when I was watching that. Cause they're just so sweet. And I cried too. I, 
I cry every time. I, it's hard for me to watch. I, I don't watch it, but I listen, you know, I just like, listen, <laughs> <laughs> yeah. and I get emotional every time because they were great. They were just so great. And they are so much more confident. And cause it's also kind of social suicide in a lot of ways for them to like, first of all, have their mom, like go on housewives, you know, which is like morally questionable. And then to have their lives kind of, you know, put out there, but also, you know, a lot of our social life is with the church. Like I need to protect my kids, like with an iron curtain. Yeah, no, 100%. I mean, and it's hard when, again, that's like the community you've been such a part of to like branch out and like make, I feel weird at my age when I make a new friend, I'm like, how do we like make friends when you're yeah. like in your thirties and you're like married? It's, it's like a weird, it's not like before where you're just like, it's very different. But, um, so I, I understand that to a degree, but it's like, there's a big ass world out there with a lot of people who have all kinds of different thinking that, you know, I wouldn't be as scared. And I think everyone's going to turn out fine, but what is it like when you, like, if you run into like people from your old community in the church and the grocery store. I can't even tell you going to the reunion. We filmed it last week. My Uber driver was a guy that had been in my Sunday school class every Sunday for years is my neighbor in my ward, you know, just showed me his face, with his mask. And it was, I was just like, I'm like going to New York to film the reunion of the housewives, which I've watched my whole life. And like, you know, never even considered being on, but like, you know what I'm saying? This is like a big kind of a weird life moment. Mm -hmm. And I'm just feeling sick inside because he's seen on TV, what I've said about the church. And like, I felt small and I felt shamed. And I just felt like I wanted to like, please forgive me. Like, don't hate me. And you know, I like, so it's everywhere at the nail salon. I saw, you know, my Sunday school president, you know, like, and I'm just like, hi. And we all feel awkward about it. Everybody does because it's offensive to them that I'm out there doing this. And it's, I understand that I don't fault them for that, but it's also our friendship should be beyond that. And I think it is, but we just don't know how to navigate it. We don't know what to say. Yeah. No. Oh God. I couldn't imagine. I mean, like, what do you do if you can't, you know, move (laughs) out of state or to, this is what, where it gets even weirder. What we're at odds about, like where I betrayed them so to speak, is because I'm drinking alcohol as an adult woman and I'm potentially having sex with a man that I'm dating. Ooh. Those two things are the great divide. Okay, I know because it's like that's their the faith and what they believe in, but like, who cares? Mind your business, everybody. Because I mean, that's when it, that's when it becomes hard. So when people get so involved in each other's lives and are like just in each other's business and judging what they're doing, it's like... That sounds like a reality TV show, <laughs> not a religion in church. you got me here. Is that no. so, Yeah. It sounds like where everyone just like judges and talks shit. Like, wow. Because it's just like, you're just out here living your life. You're not, you're not hurting anyone. You're not causing anyone harm by deciding to like have a drink and, you know, get some action. That's like exactly what you should be doing. You know, you know, in other cultures around this country, (laughs) they have like divorce parties and they go to Vegas and it's like a second bachelorette party and they go crazy. Like that's very common too, you know? So I think it's just, as you like really kind of embrace this next chapter of your life, hopefully it becomes easier. We should just like, we should have a divorce party for you. Think about the way you and Lala were when you saw me at Park City, you're just like, oh, we're getting you late. And I was just like, okay. <laughs> <laughs> you know, like, 
And how was it? How was it? Curtis was great. He was at the fashion show with me the next day. He sat next to me and like hung out. He filmed for a minute too. It was fun. I heard someone told me a birdie that saw y'all there. Like he was with her the next day. And I was like, that's my girl. <laughs> or have you been dating more? Or like what's, what's the update on the dating life? Yeah. I have zero update. I think, you know, the pandemic hasn't helped. True. I haven't really gotten any of the perks, like being on the show, you know, where like people are like, well, I just want people that want to date me just because they think they might get on TV. I'm like, I'm into that. Like, you I'm want that? <laughs> all day long. <laughs> Most people would be terrified of that, but you're like, no, I'll take it. I'll take it because it's going to take that type of motivation for them to like get over the hub to like risk it, you know, like I want people to be afraid of that. Yeah. I mean, cause it, it is like a catch 22. It's like, you don't want someone to date you just because they want to be on the show, but also you don't want to date someone who doesn't want to be on the show period. I've seen my friends go through periods of dating people and it being a nightmare situation. So maybe, maybe you're onto something here, but yeah, I imagine. Like what's the downside if they're just really nice to you and treat you really well and you have a great time, but they're only doing it because they want to be on TV. Well, the second you're mean to me, you won't be. be careful though, because no, and on housewives, it's a very different situation. They don't end up being a permanent cast member. Like some people have experienced in our show. Okay. I want to ask about beauty lab labor, beauty lab labor of love. Correct. What made you want to start that? I had businesses in college and I had um, little entrepreneurial endeavors with like one of my neighbors, like we did a couple of products and just, I was always just like side gigging it, you know, just like most moms. So I did fashion photography, fashion and air quotes, and I, and social media, I started like a little social media business. This is back in like 2009. And I would like brand a company and do their posts and like help them. And so my friend worked at a med spa, a plastic surgeon and said, they want to start an Instagram. You can do it for trade. They want you to take pictures of models and do photography and social media for free for Botox. I was like, Oh yeah, for sure. So I was just doing Instagram for this med spot and they just were not hitting the mark. You know, they just, everything about it. I hate it. Like I hated what they wanted me to say. And like, they'd say, don't ever show any needles, like never give away prices, never say this. They just wanted to be this, like, they wanted like sexy, like, you know, satin flowing with like a rose petals, you know, and then like no price come in for an hour long consultation. I was just like, this is bullshit. Like I wouldn't go. And then I would say that and they started to listen to me more and like things I started to do for their Instagram started to affect change in the business. So they just brought me in and then the the plastic surgeon said, do you want to be my partner or buy me out? And so I bought him out. Oh shit. I mean, it was just like, I felt like I had the divorce settlement. I had money. I was dead inside anyway. I had nothing to lose. I was an opportunist. I thought, oh, like this is a chance for me to buy a business, you know? And I just looked at it as an opportunity and I didn't think because I don't think I was even really present in my life. You know, Billy and I were separated and like, I was just like probably trying to prove myself to something or, and I, it just, I fell into it. And then we, we changed the whole business. And it's grown. Like you're moving into bigger spaces now. What are like your like most popular treatments that you do? So we do lips, Botox, laser hair removal, laser facials, hydrofacials, all the facials that estheticians do. And, but that's it. We don't do any plastic surgery and we don't do anything like too invasive. Where in Salt Lake is it located? Well, it's this very exclusive area. We're right next to, well, Anton Village in Murray. We're across from Swig on 9th East. 
And then, but I always say like, do you know where um, Big Lots is? And then Big Lots is next to the Dollar Tree. And then Dollar <laughs> Tree is next to Canton Village. And then Canton Village is next to an empty space that we're going to expand into. And then there's Beauty Lab. It's a strip mall. It's just a shitty little strip mall in Murray. But we're two huge spaces. You know, we are kind of no frills anyway. People give us a hard time about it. But I'm just like, you can get, you know, Maybelline makeup anywhere. And it's great. Yeah, but, if, but people see some of the best restaurants are like little holes in the wall. So why are you judging? Like you're going to be fine. But I feel like everyone loves you so much. I like want to hang out with you and be best friends with you. When I watch the show, I'm just like, I thought we already were. Well, I mean, basically, I mean, I don't want to like, assume it's like, you know, we're also part of like the most elite squad ever because Rihanna follows us. Like I was looking today <laughs> and she follows you and I was just like, Oh my gosh, I wonder if she's going to listen. Cause this is like, so <laughs> I wish I'm your next Savage Fenty ambassador. Well, I saw Erica Jane was in the fashion show. So you never know. Erica Jane's back on the market. Do you know the fear of that in women everywhere? Like, are you kidding me right now? You want to be 50 and dating and Erica Jane's your competition. <laughs> I feel like she's, she'll start dating some like 26 year olds or something. She's better. We need to like, I hope so. I hope she starts a trend. Do you have like any cougar vibes about you? I'm a total cougar. Yeah. Oh, if anything ever happened, God forbid to Tom or for somehow we end up divorcing later in life, I would just be either like straight up lesbian or cougar. <laughs> I think I would just have to just totally mix it up. That's so interesting that you say that because it's like, if you're not with Tom, that's like, you'd go one extreme or the other, like extreme, you know, like something like a deviation, so to speak. And that's what I feel like I'm in that zone. Like I don't lean lesbian at all. I definitely lean like young under 30 is my vibe. Cause they're like, they don't care. And they're not like, they don't care about things, you know, and they just want to have fun. And they don't even like ask your age. I'm just like, yeah, I'm 32. Let's go. It's going to be great. (laughs) But like there's young guys that like fetishize like older women too. So it's like, I'm all about it. I'm like, if there's a porn category, I'll fulfill it. MILF? (laughs) What do you need? What are you looking for? (laughs) But you also like are into like black dudes too. I mean, yeah, of course. I'm into foreign dudes. If that's to be fair, I'm pretty equal opportunist. Like I just have this weird, like xenophilia, like, like I hear an accent and I'm into it. You know what I mean? even if I can't identify it, like a reporter was talking to me and I thought they were Australian. So I was making like all these Australian jokes, fully British. And like, that's how naive I am. So like, I just, I hear accents. I'm drawn to it. Like I love black men because they like have always been good to me. Mm -hmm. I'm leaning into what's, what likes me, you know? So I feel that. I feel that. I once dated a dude from Paris. He lived, he moved here. And that was an experience. Like he was like really hot and had an accent. Yeah. That's like an excuse. He, he was kind of a fuck boy, but you know what? <laughs> I already said fuck boy. Only fuck boys only apply. You know? <laughs> Are you trying to get remarried? Do you see yourself getting remarried or did you just a new daddy for my girls? I don't need a paycheck. I don't need, you know, like, I don't want to, I just want to like have fun. I really do. Like I have no desire to like start over and do it again. You know? I'm trying to think about guys I know in Utah. I know that was my thought. I didn't want to put pressure on you. It's just like, well, Katie, you got a bigger, you know, everybody. I, do, I mean, I used to it once upon a time, but my brother, he's 32. Okay. And he's got some single friends too. I'll ask him if there's anyone like worth and it. In Park City or Salt Lake? He's in Heber now. 
this is my Sundance celebrity store. Do you want this? Is this appropriate? He's not like, we'd have to Google his real name, but he was the guy that got blackballed on Beverly Hills 90210 by Steve Sanders, or he either he blackballed Steve Sanders or he got blackballed by Steve Sanders in the fraternity. And then he went on to star in Lonesome Dove. Who is this guy? He's very handsome. I have a picture with him. I'm wearing a white turtleneck. I came up from BYU with a couple of my friends. I was wearing a white turtleneck, a black suede, very Cindy Mancini inspired vest that snapped up with a black A-line miniskirt suede that snapped up. And I remember wearing like black tights and probably like some terrible flat shoes. And he was just drunk enough for me to force him to kiss me. (laughs) (laughs) And take a picture. Oh my gosh. Ricky Schroeder? First of all, Ricky Schroeder is a Mormon royalty, okay? Because he married a Mormon. Really? So it's not him? Everyone growing up assumed Ricky Schroeder was Mormon because he was blonde and blue-eyed and he seemed really nice. So we just told ourselves he was. He... <laughs> that's not, so that's not him. I'm looking at the cast of, oh, D, was it D.B. Sweeney? No, that sounds oh. weird. What, it's the guy with brown hair. Robert Urich? Urich? I know these people. I know Robert Urich. I know Ricky Schroeder. Tommy Lee Jones? No, come on, man. Now you're insulting me. I don't know. Me, this is going downhill. Let me look him up right now. Steve Buscemi. Just kidding. I'm just, yeah, Steve Buscemi. I would, I would force Steve Buscemi to make out with me if I ever ran into him. Really? I love him because he, I don't know how to explain it. Like I am inspired by people that are absolutely unique and like not conventional, but totally successful. And like, they're like cult figures. You know what I mean? Totally. Yeah. I see that. This is a really weird one. Let's go with like Crispin Glover. I had a weird Sundance experience with him as well. Like, there was nothing intimate that happened, but I was working at a, a lounge there and he came in and he was like, just, t- I was just chatting with him and he's like, oh, we'll I have this movie. And it was a very like avant-garde kind of movie. He's like, would you like to come? I was like, sure. Like, I'll go see a, a movie. I didn't know that he was like asking me to come with him, but I got there and he's like, his date <laughs> yeah. basically and then afterwards we went to this place next door and like had like tea and talked about life and he asked me all kinds of questions and yeah he had like the floppy marty mcfly hair or what was his hair like it was kind of, it was like a little not like super floppy but like he looked the same i mean like he is kind of like an unconventional like good looking yeah, like guy. i would have marty mcfly um in when marty changes history and he comes back and he's like the cool dad like that's yeah. what I envisioned for him. He got a little bit of a thin man freak on. Yeah. Him. Oh yeah. Give me all the bean poles in the world. <laughs> really? Dad bods. I love dad bods. Yeah. I like a dad bod, but I also like, like, I've, I feel like every guy I dated, you know, and even Tom, like they're just kind of, they've been like really gangly or just like tall, like very slender. Like I don't like, like, like big hunky, like beefy guys. Yeah. I'd have to really like their personality. <laughs> You can just close your eyes and get through it. Okay. That's I mean, if it was like The Rock, yeah. Yeah, see, I'm not into that either at all. That's so interesting. We kind of have the same vibe. Like, I, I get that The Rock is hot, but like Jack Black all day long for me. You know what I mean? Like, if I'm looking at all the characters of Jumanji. Yeah, I love, no, I love Jack Black. I'm to Jumanji, sorry, with The Rock, no offense. No, because you want, you want like a guy that can make you laugh and who's going to, you know... And be fun. I thought I had this picture right here in my Heather at BYU album. Okay, you're going to have to look for it and send it to me later. We'll find his Instagram and slide into those DMs. Maybe he's single. 
I'm verified now. So, Oh, hell yeah. The blue checks, you know, you never know. <laughs> That's true. I'm really excited. I can't wait to see the reunion. I hear it's fiery and great. Did anyone leave, get up and walk away? Um, not dramatically, but people left and came back. Oh. You're going to love it, Katie. The set of the reunion was spectacular. It was like beautiful. Like it was just like, oh, I just felt like, oh my gosh, this is a real reunion. You know, it's not just like Zoom calls, you know, in like some office building. It was Tell me about cool. it. We did a <laughs> Zoom reunion. I kind of liked it because I was able to like be at home and I was comfortable and I like, didn't have people breathing down my neck and I could drink alcohol yeah they limit that but you know but it's not the same thing as when you're all in a room together there's like it becomes really tense but I can't wait to watch it well if you're not watching this season of Housewives of Salt Lake like what are you actually doing it's easily becoming one of the best franchises no doubt about it um you can watch it Wednesdays at nine it's nine central central streaming but it's on at 11 in utah which is so sucky well i'm when this is over i'm gonna come see you i want to hang out we'll do the food tour i want to get some lips i want to do all you gotta for sure hit we'll hit canton village then we'll hit beauty lab and then if we need like some gift sacks or tissue paper we can go to dollar tree before we really (laughs) we're good we got it we got this And then we can go to the Cheesecake Factory right by the temple and order a cocktail and watch all the Mormon people come from the temple and give us dirty looks. I love that idea. Yes, I love it. I love it. I don't know if I'll be ready for it, but I'll I'll follow your lead. Baby steps. Okay, well, thank you all for uh, tuning in. And until next time, stay well and be well and be kind to yourself. Thank you so much for listening. Please make sure to subscribe, leave a rating and review, follow along on social at Music Kills Kate, and tune in next week for an all new episode. 